This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Saturday Squiz is your shortcut to being informed weekend style. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. In Saturday Squiz this week, Claire, we're going to get into a couple of big messes. Qantas, of course, and the Burning Man Festival. Yeah, I'm sure our national carrier really likes to be compared <laughs> to Burning Man. Uh, both got very bogged down this week, that's oh, for sure. see what you uh, did there. I've got another cleaning product recommendation. Oh, you really know how to live, Claire. <laughs> Let's get into it. I'm back again for another week, Claire, filling in for Kate. She might have to wrestle the podcast mic back off me when she gets back because I'm having (laughs) a ton of fun doing this with you. Let's get into the most clicked link in the Squiz Today newsletter this week. It was the story of the Guinness World Record holder for the longest female mullet. I reckon I could have picked that when we were drafting the Squiz Today newsletter this week because, of course, who doesn't like a long mullet? Uh, It's the kind of glory that you can attain, this world record, if you don't cut your hair for 33 years. (laughs) (laughs) She's grown that mullet to 172 0.7 centimetres. It's longer than I am tall. It is just nuts. It's seriously long. You can see a picture of it on our Insta. We're at the squiz if you're not following us already. Not too much more to say on this one, except I got a bit curious about the longest female mullet. So I was like, well, who's the dude with the longest mullet? But she's beaten everybody. The guy with the longest mullet is a guy called Big Rich Price and his mullet is only 99 centimetres. So sorry, Big Rich. And I like in the notes here, you've even got where he lives. He's from Strongville, Ohio. You've really done your research. Yep, really just grabbed me this one. (laughs) Mullet appealed to you. Let's move on from mullet. So, Claire, to the most covered story this week, what's been in the news, and it is, of course, the flying kangaroo, Qantas, everything from the departure of Alan Joyce, the CEO, and all the other things that are going on for them. Yes, all the other things is the technical term for the news this week. So Qantas has been a major story, and it's one of those times where different sets of journalists are covering it. You've got the front end of the paper with the news that affects consumers, travellers, all those stories around credits and that sort of stuff, high prices, um, claims that they sold tickets for flights that have been cancelled, all that kind of stuff. You get the politics journos into it because, of course, the Albanese government's decision to refuse that request from Qatar Airways for Mm. additional flights into Australia has been a really big political story this week. And then there's the business pages really getting into Qantas's performance and, of course, executives in the board and how they're reacting. Pretty wall-to-wall coverage. Claire, I like that you think about these things in terms of physical newspaper laid out like that. It's how my (laughs) brain works. I'm hardwired that way. Old school. So there is a lot going on. We covered a ton of it in the Squiz today this week, but what we thought we might do today is dig into some of the things that have been happening behind the scenes that push these issues along. They're the kind of things that have made life a little bit difficult for the Albanese government and for Qantas. Yeah, these big stories don't happen on their own. They usually have some protagonists behind the scenes, (laughs) that's for sure. Plenty of players in these things. What stood out to me this week, uh, so we're into politics, where are we in your newspaper, Claire? 
page yeah, two, sort of page, page four. Page, maybe page one, but page two to five. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha, I'm with you. Honing in on the comments that were made by Qantas's competitors in the domestic market, so that's Virgin Australia and Rex. As it is with drama that involves government decisions, the question always is who knew what and when? And one of the key things in this story is that Prime Minister Anthony Albanese had a discussion with Virgin boss Jane Herdlicker back in mid-July. He says she, and this is the quote, made representations relating to air service arrangements with Qatar. Yeah, and in that she wanted their flights to those East Coast cities uh, added. Virgin wanted them to be brought on board. So she said that it would have an immediate impact on reducing fares in Australia right across the board, as well as boosting tourism, which is good for Virgin because if more people are flying internally, including tourists, their bottom line goes up. A couple of things to note, Hudlicker was the boss of Jetstar from 2012 to 2017, so she's worked for Alan Joyce. Also interesting to note that she and Virgin then essentially were lobbying against Qantas directly with the Prime Minister. It didn't work, but it's an insight into how these kinds of things happen. Yeah, these people run huge businesses and they employ thousands of people, so they can often have very direct conversations (laughs) with those who are in power from time to time. Uh, And Rex has also been in there too. Yeah, so Rex is uh, another domestic airline carrier, does a lot of regional stuff. They're looking for more market share. This week, Rex accused Qantas of acting like a bully towards smaller players. And just to kind of pinpoint how small some of these circles are. The guy from Rex who's been making a lot of this noise is a guy called John Sharp. He was a former federal transport minister in the Howard government. Yeah, that was a long time ago, but they certainly haven't missed the opportunity to stick the knife into Qantas. So you've noticed those couple of contributors. I wanted to point out Joe Aston from mm. the Financial Review and his withering, <laughs> no holds barred, <laughs> absolutely tough takedowns of Alan Joyce and Qantas. He's the one who has been beating the drum in the financial review. It's been picked up across the media and that really saw the pressure build and build. Yeah, pressure building all the way to Joyce retiring two months early. Look, I'm sure there are many squizzers who read The Fin, but just in case uh, you don't, Joe Aston is the marquee columnist for the publication's review section. Yeah. Where are we in the paper with that, Claire? If you've got the actual paper, it's off the back page. It's quite a feature for Mm. the fin. A lot of people will say that when you get the fin, they read the front cover to see if their business is in it, whether there's anything they need to be concerned about, and then they flip it over (laughs) straight away to review to see what Joe has been writing about. Um, Aston's critics, though, like to dismiss him as a gossip columnist, Um, and he's certainly gone close to the line at times. He would even say that. Um, Sometimes he's gone over that line as well. Yeah, there was a defamation case that went against him him. But people that love what he does, love it when he takes something on like this. He hates hypocrites. Lord help you if you lie to him. (laughs) In this day and age, he's a pretty rare specimen. He's really good at what he does. And boy, have Qantas and Joyce felt the burn this week. Yeah. Um, Let's link also to Joe's Twitter account. You can find those links and his withering takes on life. Spicy, very spicy. I'll put that link in your episode notes. On to now what we've been talking about this week and 
we couldn't get over talking about this in the office. Festivals that go wrong, why are they so compelling? There's something is really <laughs> compelling, isn't there? And look, I don't go to festivals, <laughs> I have to say. I think I went to a couple of festivals in my 20s maybe. Yeah. But usually I'm at home cleaning my carpet. Which is something we are going to get into in a minute. Like hold your breath, squizzes, stand by. What a teaser is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and look, the idea for me anyway that people are out having a good time and it's all gone wrong, it just justifies my life choices, I think. Well, that is a sharp take there. <laughs> I love a good music festival. I've been in the mud. I've been in the traffic queues. I actually missed my sister's hens. Oh, wow. Trying to get back from Splendour one year. Sorry, Sarah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I do have to say I'm not sorry to be commenting on these things now from this nice, clean safety of this studio. <laughs> yeah, so it's a nice place to be when you can reflect <laughs> on things going very badly wrong for mm-hmm. other people. Um, this is about Burning Man, of course, which is the festival in the middle of Nevada and it's in the desert. It's been going for more than 30 years. Um, if you know the area, it's the Black Rock Desert. It's about 230. 20, 30 kilometres north of Reno. Um, It's not your usual sort of music or arts festival either. Um, As one journo put it this week, think Mad Max meets (laughs) Alice in Wonderland in a Woodstock setting. We'll give everyone a minute to kind of combine those (laughs) those elements in their mind. Mm. Um, But it is good to nail down exactly what Burning Man is because I think that's what makes it interesting to look at what's happened. I like this description. It aims to be an undefinable event, somewhere between a celebration of counterculture and a spiritual retreat. Usually also a lot of celebs there, which is I think why it's kind of top of mind and has come into a bit of the international news. This year there was Chris Rock, Cindy Crawford and her daughter Kaya Gerber, Austin Butler, the guy yeah. who played Elvis. Yeah, lots of those mm. celebs. Um, also very rich types who yeah. regularly get involved, a lot from the tech world as well. So Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, um, Google founders Sergey Brin and Larry Page. In fact, they once uh, appointed a guy to be the CEO of Google because of his burner credentials. (laughs) Um, They weren't there this year, but that's part of the event's reputation in recent times, that rich people go into the desert, they embrace what they call radical Mm -hmm. self-reliance, at least for a day or two anyway. Yeah, fly in on their private jets and then rely on kindness. There's no (laughs) currency at Burning Man, no money. But tickets... Tickets do cost. This year they cost $575 US. When you get there, you sort out an RV, so a recreational vehicle, kind of like a camper van or a tent. People bike around. You've got to take your food and water in. Everyone dresses up, super elaborate costumes. But they are in the desert. Usually it's a whole lot of dust and good times, so very much Mad Max vibes, mm. lots of pictures of people in, the, in goggles. So a little bit of rain, which is what happened this year, doesn't usually happen out there created a whole lot of mud. Yeah, so there's been ample opportunities this time around for the attendees to embrace that radical (laughs) self-reliance because they got stuck and it's incredible just how little rain they actually got. In fact, Alex and I who were working on this story this week had to check the numbers a few times. It's like it doesn't sound like enough rain to cause that much chaos but But 13 millimetres, which is only half an inch, Mm. um, when you think about what happened in Sydney I guess last year, we got over, remember, the 1,000 millimetre mark. So we're talking about 13 millimetres. It's not a whole lot of rain in one go. Um, That fell at the festival site on Friday and that caused that big mud crush. Um, The issue, though, of course, in that sort of dusty area, um, the average rainfall for the month of September is 5.4 millimetres. So they got more than double what they would get in a month just in that day. 
which uh, created a whole lot of problems for around 64,000 people who Mm. then got stuck. But despite all the drama and look, it made international news and the pictures are quite something, lots of people still dedicated burners. Yeah, the deep connection to this very quirky event is very, very deep. It's quite extraordinary. Um, And when you look at, I guess, these events that have these sort of quirky angles, Fire Festival, we've talked about that quite a bit in the past. (laughs) It's back. It's back. So Billy McFarland has come out. He said he's doing Fire Festival 2.0, the first pre-sale of tickets, 100 tickets, but sold out in minutes. I don't know what is with people who are just prepared to <laughs> get back out there. Well, particularly there's no location, there's no lineup, there's no like actual <laughs> logistics behind that event, but people have rushed to buy those tickets. And look, all in all, it just makes me feel better about my sort of level <laughs> of schadenfreude when it comes to this situation. Um, there was a columnist from The Guardian, Moira right. Donegan, this week. She wrote and I love the title of her column. Yes, it's okay to laugh at wealthy Burning Man attendees <laughs> mired in the mark. Uh, not sure anyone needs permission to do that, but go ahead. It is definitely okay to laugh. All right, a look now into the week ahead, Claire. Lots more summit talk. Yeah, so the annual G20 Leaders Summit, that's on in New Delhi uh, in India across this weekend. And there's another big conference in Sydney. It's the National Women in Media Summit. Featuring yours truly. Yeah, I'm on a panel this morning, so I'm really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And check out sort of for a lineup of conferences this week. It must be something in the season of September. Um, There's two property events on from Monday, the Financial Review Property Summit, which will be a big one. Also, the Property Council's Congress 2023. On Wednesday, there is the Regions Rising National Summit. It's on in Canberra. Thursday is the Australian Strategic Policy Institute Conference. It's a big one when you're talking about regional security and defence and all that kind of stuff. That's on in Canberra. Uh, Sydney, it's the Australasian Emissions Reduction Summit. (laughs) So that's for a certain type. Uh, And then on Friday, it's the Content Bite Summit for journalists, content writers and copywriters. Which you are speaking at that one as well, Claire. I'm speaking at that one too. It's a very busy week. And look, if you're an event organiser, we see you. Oh yeah, these things can be pretty stressful to put on. So best of luck to anyone who is out summiting this week, may the food be good. That's what I say. Also on this week, if you're tech-minded, Apple are holding their launch event. That's usually a pretty big Mm. deal. Rumour has it the iPhone 15 is launching. Could mean more cables are in our future, Claire. Yeah, so more cables in the short term but less cables in the long term and that's to do with this sort of common charger rule. The European Union has done a lot of work in recent times and actually pushed through into law that there needs to be a small and medium-sized portable electronics need to have the same charger. So that is going to happen. Um, The rumour is that these new Apple products will have the charger, which would be a USB Type-C port. I'm up for anything that means less cables and chargers in my future. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, But, Claire, I'm also hanging out for the tennis finals. Yeah, I thought you would be. Mm -hmm. So the US Open comes to a close this weekend and I've got a feeling you're going to be cheering for Carlos Alcaraz. Sure am. If they make it through, we'll see how those semifinals go. 
Early start time on Monday, though. Not sure I will be watching it live. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's 3 a.m. Monday morning, so that might be pushing. I might just stand by <laughs> and hear you tell me about it in the Squiz Today podcast. Yeah, we really get punished in Australia <laughs> when it comes to those American events, don't we? Um, Thursday, when we look forward to the week, are you okay day? Yeah, super important one. Good one. A good reminder to check in on your mates there. On to our recommendations now, Claire. Look, we can't keep people in suspense any longer. A few weeks ago you had a bathroom tiles cleaning recommendation and this week it's carpet. Take it away. What Also, what's going on at your house? <laughs> yeah, I am living the life, I tell you. Um, I'm not on a cleaning bender and I'm not particularly grotty. Okay, good. So <laughs> good I just want to want to put that out there. Um, I spilt a drink on my newish wool carpet mm. about three weeks ago, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it looked okay for the first sort of day or two after I sort of dabbed it up, um, but it changed colour into oh. this really bright orange. Oh, oh that's bad. Sort of colour. It was quite alarming <laughs> and it's a wool carpet and I know you don't scrub it. So I was really thinking that I was going to have to get the professional cleaners in, which is really annoying because, you know, who's got the time for that just to do a bit of spot cleaning. Um, So I took to the internet and I did some research. And what did the internet tell you? (laughs) So the recommendation was for Peerless J-A-L carpet spotter and deodoriser. I went right down a rabbit hole, as you can tell. You can get it at Bunnings. You spray it on. You leave it for a couple of minutes. You blot it up with a towel because you don't scrub it because it can break those fibres. If the stain's still there, you repeat it and, hey, presto, it goes. Have you ever thought about a side hustle as a cleaning expert uh, <laughs> taking people's questions and dilemmas? This is, is it, some top quality info here. Visitors yeah. coming to my house would know that I'm probably not qualified for that. <laughs> but, look, I'm giving it a go. So anytime I find a good recommendation uh, on the cleaning, just you don't want to be spending time on it, anything no. that makes it easy. I just want to spray something on and it goes. Dab, so, dab and it goes off. Yeah, this was pretty close to it. Well, look, if you have a cleaning hack for us that can rival Claire's <laughs> plethora that she's been giving us, <laughs> Uh, and if you're listening on Spotify, use the little Q&A box to let us know and we'll round them up and share them. But uh, my recommendation is um, a book. It's Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. I picked it up a little while ago and then stopped, but Alex from our office who, who co-hosts Squiz Today podcast mm. absolutely raved about it and it was one of those recommendations that made me dive straight back into it. I'm so glad I did. Okay. So really, really enjoyed that reading. And one more thing I'm loving – as we've mentioned previously, I'm just back at work, so yep. getting all my work hacks in. And I'm loving a playlist by Zoe Foster Blake called Music for Work, Writing and Study. It's just good background music that helps you get in the flow, mm. helps to concentrate. Spotify? Spotify. Okay, fantastic. Good we'll to know. Links to all of those in your episode notes. All right, Claire, Squiz Press this week. Exciting news for us. Just in, we have won Newsletter of the Year at the Mumbrella Publish Award. And look, I'm so pleased that we won that award. Um, we've won it before mm. and we've come runner-up before um, and we don't enter every year, but we did this year because we're putting a lot of work into it. The Squiz Today newsletter is really my heart and soul. I Mm. love doing the Squiz Today newsletter and I know the team really loves it too. Um, But I wanted the team. It's more of a team sport these days. And Lara, Alice, Alex, Gillian, and actually the whole team, the whole Squiz team, we all get behind it. Really good for them to be recognised for the great work we do. I think it's terrific. Yeah, shout out to the whole team. It is such a fantastic newsletter. If you are a podcast person and you haven't dipped your toe into the newsletter 
you should. There's so much in there. Often that doesn't make it to the podcast because mm. it's a bit hard to to talk through some it's of the fun visual stuff. Lots of visual yeah. stuff. Um, head to our website to check that out, thesquiz.com.au. But before we finish talking about ourselves, Claire, just quickly, uh, let's plug Ask the Squiz. Yeah, so that's you and me. Mm-hmm. We've got to plug ourselves, yeah. I guess, like we're in that mood today. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, Ask the Squiz. So the voice proposal, the referendum process, all of that. Each week we're taking three Squiz's questions. We're answering them in a really neat podcast. It'll take 10, 12 minutes minutes or so. Uh, It's out on a Thursday. Get into it. And we had a cracking start last week with the questions. So super keen to get into them. If you do have more questions for us, shoot them through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. And everything as always is on our resource center on the website, our um, dedicated page for that. So I'll put a link to that in the episode notes. Yeah, terrific. So Larissa, we'll be back on Thursday with Ask the Squiz. Mm -hmm. I'll be back with Kate next week for Saturday Squiz. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. It's been a blast. Have a good weekend.